You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Indians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis of 24-7 Sports. On today's show, we're going to dig deep on the 40-man. I'm going to kind of go back and pull out an interesting and humorous article at this point from earlier in the year that I remember talking about. Um, it's kind of always fun to go back. And I mean, I threw out some ridiculous trade pieces, but uh, I think this is a fun one to kind of look back at um, just because how over-the-top crazy this uh, presented trade looks now. Um, like I said, the big thing on today's show is we're going to talk about the 40-man some more. We talked about that currently there are 47 guys on the 40-man roster because during the season you can stash guys on the 60-day disabled list and the 30-day disabled list and such. The minute the season ends, um, you know, the World Series ends and that, you have to start reconciling that. All those guys on those long-term uh, disabled lists, they have to move on to your roster. You can have only 40 guys on your roster, and that is including guys who are hurt, guys who aren't going to play. Um, all of those guys need to immediately be added in. So as we discussed on last night's show, the Indians really have two obvious um, players to leave the roster. Uh, Clippard and Kipnis will both become free agents, and that's you know kind of where we start with things for the Indians. Um, what I thought we'd do is kind of go through and talk about who the definites are. So let's just start with that, move our way through the list. Um, catcher position, I think they're likely to keep all three. So that's three guys that uh, I'm projecting them to keep at this point. And why do I project this? Because the Indians like to carry three catchers. They have always liked to carry three catchers. They have all three. None of them are going to be near free agency anytime soon. Three catchers. Boom. Uh, they traded for Christian Arroyo, so I think he is safe. Bobby Bradley is a prospect. Yu Chen Chang is a prospect. Ryan Flattery, I think, is the first guy who is, well, on that other side of things. Mike Freeman, put him in the middle. We are talking about Kipnis being gone. Lindor is, of course, safe. Ramirez is, of course, safe. Carlos Santana is, of course, safe. Andrew Velasquez, I think, is safe as well. They went out and traded for him. He didn't really get a chance this year, but... Um, so at this point, just in terms of guys safe between catcher and infield, we're up to 10. That's that's one quarter of the roster. Move over to the outfield. Greg Allen, safe. Jake Bowers, safe. Jordan Luplo, safe. Oscar Mercado, safe. Tyler Naquin, safe. Granmo Reyes, safe. Bradley Zimmer, safe. So we added another seven right there. So we've now handled the offensive side of things, and we're at 17 guys. Um, that's a large percentage. The ones who I didn't consider safe at this point, if you're following along at home, uh, Ryan Flattery, Mike Freeman, and then the free agents to be Jason Kipnis and uh, Yasiel Puig. Oh, I forgot to mention Puig. So <laughs> Kipnis, Puig, and Clippard are the three guys who are coming off. I was looking at a, a listing from earlier this year uh, before the trade, and that's why I repeatedly have made that error. So the Indians are at 47, but it's really a 43, uh, 44 because of free agents. So now let's go up and look at the pitching. Logan Allen, safe. Cody Anderson, we're going to put in that middle category. Shane Bieber, safe. Carlos Carrasco, safe. Adam Simber, safe. Aaron Saval, safe. Mike Clevenger, safe. Uh, Clippard is for sure gone. AJ Cole, we'll put in that middle group. Nick Goody, I think he sticks around. Brad Hand. Sam Henkes, I think, is going to stick around. I'm going to put him in the middle group for now. Same deal for James Hoyt. Karen Schock is safe. Corey Kluber, I believe, is safe. Phil Matten, middle group. Juan Carlos Mejia, middle group. 
Ty Olson and Dan Otero, middle group, middle group. Oliver Perez, safe. Zach Plesak, safe. Adam Pletko, safe. By the way, we're already up to 30. So who else do we got here? Jeffrey Rodriguez, effective pitcher this year, safe. Nick Wetgren, effective pitcher this year, safe. Hunter Wood, up in the air. So yes, if you're keeping track at home, we are now up to 32 players that I consider safe from the current uh, setup of the Indians at this point in time. So let's go through. We know they have to add Daniel Johnson and Tristan McKenzie. Those two are safe as well. So then that leaves us with six spots left for those of you keeping track at home. And in those six spots, you ready? These are the guys who are currently on who we're going to have to figure out. Cody Anderson. AJ Cole. Henkes. We'll say Juan Carlos Mejia. Phil Maton. Hunter Wood. James Hoyt, Olsen, Otero, I think Salazar is as good as gone, I'm just going to list him over there. Um, so we have the three that I'm pretty much four guys I'm sure are gone, so it takes us up to 43, but really they need to clear five guys off the roster at least just because of who we know this team is going to add. We come down offensively, like I said, um, I'm counting Flattery is out. So right now, the core guys that I'm sure are going to be off the roster just to make everything work are Ryan Flattery, the three free agents, Kipnis Puig, and Clippard, and then um, Denny Salazar. I just think they are done. They're tired of uh, the Denny Salazar experiment at this point in time. Maybe I should say more the Danny Salazar experience at this point in time. Um... Freeman is another guy who's kind of on that bubble. If you are uh, with the Indians. And, I mean, that outfield is kind of safe at this point. So, we have six spots left. Just going through, I would think Henkes is the safest one left. So now we're down to five spots. We talk about some of the other players who you have to consider with the Indians. Um, Jose Fermin, not related to Felix. That always comes up. Luis Oviedo, Oviedo, Kai A. Tom, I think is still an interesting player because of what he did this year. Cam Hill, Kyle Dowdy, and Jordan Robinson. So that whole list of guys that I consider our bubble group with five spots left, there are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 players for five spots. And this is what I've been talking about, why this team is under such a huge uh, crunch. I think one of those first names we're going to eliminate, Cody Anderson. Uh, just been unable to stay healthy. It had it happened again this year. AJ Cole, nice depth arm. He had his moments this year, but he's not someone you're saving a spot for. Um, he's one of those guys who's pretty much free. I think... Speaking of free, I think Freeman is a is a he's gonna make it. I don't think he's really on the block. So that with the addition of Freeman, we are now down to four spots. And you just continue to go through this list. I don't think Jordan Robinson gets a shot. I do not think they're gonna add Kyle Dowdy at this point. So four spot uh 
this is where it gets interesting. Because um, we have Otero, who was not good. I'm going to think they're going to let Otero go. Uh, because he's also going to cost seven figures if you try to keep Dan Otero going forward at this point. Just in terms of what he made last year, what he would be valued going forward. Um, so we'll eliminate him, which then puts us at... We have nine players for four spots. So we will talk about that a bit more in a second after we give some thanks to the people who help make this podcast happen. Our sponsor for the entire postseason is Vivid Seats. You're going to go to Vivid Seats and the promo code you're going to give is postseason. There's so many people out there trying to sell you uh, tickets, trying to get you to go out there and use them for their source. And a lot of them give you such bad deals. They sit there and you pay as much in fees as you pay for tickets. The nice thing that really differentiates Vivid Seats from the crowd is they, the more you use them, the more they reward you. It's you know, it's like when you go to a guy, it's that loyalty program that we all love. So right now you're going to go over to Vivid Seats and you can save up to a hundred bucks on your uh, p- uh, whatever you purchase ticket wise. Could be sports, could be a concert, could be any number of things. Vivid Seats has it all. Go over there, get the tickets you need. Use the promo code Postseason. And if you're going to go, uh, if there's something you want to go see right now. Use this deal. You're going to save money. You're going to get the best deal you can on tickets by going to Vivid Seats using that promo code postseason. Uh, you're not going to get a better deal. No, you, None of those other sites even have a promo code right now that's going to match up to $100. So Vivid Seats, promo code postseason, do yourself a favor. I have to break myself with a really bad habit of saying, and now we're back. Uh, kind of a cool bit of news over here. A uh, few things, cool bits of news when it goes to Locked On, is we've got this new cool partnership with Breaking Tea. I'm sure more will come. But if you're like me and you've been listening to podcasts for, gosh, nearly a decade now, um, maybe in the beginning listen to a lot of the ESPN podcasts because that's where you went. That's where you got uh, information on sports. And the Pod Vader, who was one of the big names that recently joined our team, is going to do a lot on the MLB side of things. And that's one of his big things. Never say we're back. So I'm trying to break that. But also, a uh, humble brag for the site. You know, we got a name, a well-known name to help us uh, continue to grow. And we have some more announcements coming. So it's an exciting time to be listening to a Locked On podcast. So we're going through this information here. And as I said, we got nine guys in four spots. I'm going to eliminate Oviedo because when you go and you look at his performance this year, it just didn't stack up. Um he had that awesome, amazing year in Mahoning Valley, which made him in most places a top uh, top prospect in the Indian system. But he he just didn't follow it up. I mean, words can't express just how dominant he was. But it's at the same time you um, you go over to let's say Fangraphs because uh, I was using their handy forty man article here just about who's available. There's been nothing written on uh, Oviedo since last January. That kind of sums up what happened to Nayball this year. Um, he wasn't missing enough bats, and he started walking too many guys. So I don't think he's really someone who's going to make this list. So now we got to have four left. Um, I think Kaye Thomas is a classic guy you're going to try to slide through, and if you need an outfielder at some point, he's there as a backup. Uh, huge production this year across multiple levels. Um, one of those stadiums, Akron, is not an easy place for a hitter. So... There we go. Uh, they liked Mejia, even though he didn't have a great year enough to add him last year. But So we're going to keep him in at this point. So that gives us three spots remaining. 
and this is where it gets fun. I think they'll keep Cam Hill because I knew I was surprised they didn't add him. The last two years talking to guys in the minors, I know they like him. I know they've liked him, and this year he kind of had a breakout. So I'm going to think Cam Hill gets added. I'm still surprised he was not part of the rotate or the roster come September, and that's that's the only reason I'm even debating this right now. But that gives us two spots left. Um, so Jose Fermin is the best prospect, in my opinion, left on this group of players. He's His hit tool could be something special. He's an up-the-middle player, really good, one, runs created plus, getting on base, walking more than he struck out. I think he's the type of guy you have to protect. He's an interesting prospect who's in the midst of a breakout. He plays second base, he plays shortstop, he plays a lot of places on the infield, so he's a great draft and stash. Uh, Last year in Low A, he was really productive. This year, or last year in Mahoning Valley, followed it up this year in A ball. So, two good years, can play all over the diamond, do a lot of things. If you don't protect him, um, I'm kind of going to call my shot, like I did with Anthony Santander a few years ago. I don't think Jose Fermin gets through this. I think someone takes the chance because teams always need backup infielders. Lord knows the Indians needed a backup infielder at the beginning of the year, and. Uh, I'm not uh, not convinced that Jose Fermin would not have performed better than Morhoff and Stamets did. So I think you have to protect Fermin at this point. Since So since we've come back, we've protected three guys. That leaves us one spot. Um, we've kind of dealt with the guys who are off the roster. So basically I have them adding Fermin, Cam Hill, Daniel Johnson, and Tristan McKenzie. Keeping Henkes and Mejia. And... Like I said, this is where it gets really interesting. So you're just looking at the guys on the Indians roster, and they gave up a piece to trade for uh, Matten, Maten, for Wood, and for Hoyt, and Olsen is the lefty in the group. So I think we can just start on this on a very, very basic level by looking at um, how much guys are going to make. Because these are players, I know that sounds very mercenary, and it also is like, well, of course, cheapskate Indians. But if... Uh, it's a tight budget, let's just be honest about that, and when all things are to be considered, um, you know, Ty Olson was not very good this year. James Hoyt, again, is someone they've given up someone to acquire. Same deal with Hunter Wood and Phil Maton. They traded some value for the other guys, whereas Olson is just largely ineffective in his time in Cleveland. Uh, you know, his FIP in 2017-2018 was all right, we didn't pitch a lot. That's the other thing. You know, 30 innings this year was a high water mark for him. He's entering his age 30 year. Uh, I just don't know. I mean, he's not even arbitration eligible, so he is a lefty. It's hard to gauge with him. Uh, Hoyt, I don't. I, I think he's kind of the easy cut. I mean, they're kind of intrigued by him, but he's 32 years old. He he was okay when he was called up, but very prone to the long ball. So I think he's probably the first cut. So then that leaves us with Maiton, Wood, and Olsen. So goodbye, Hoyt. Maiton's interesting as a high spin rate guy, as is Hunter Wood. There's definitely a type between the two of them. So who was more effective this year and who possibly has more ceiling? Um, Maiton is 26. Uh, be 27 next March. Hunter Wood is currently 26. He'll be 27 next August, so you're looking similar aged players. Uh, this year in Cleveland, Maiton was walking too many guys, and that's when kind of he's still missing bats. He was not used a ton. 
So I think between him and Hunter Wood, you probably lean towards Wood because Wood's more effective um, this year. And, I mean, they, they just didn't trust Meaton now, so why would they trust him in the future? So, gone. So Wood or Olsen, at the end of the day, as crazy it is, as it is, because I'm not uh, big on Tyler Olsen, I think they keep him because he's left-handed. So what is my projected 40-man going through and writing this down? Uh, you can keep track at home. We'll just kind of start at the top. and we'll, One, Logan Allen. Two, Shane Bieber. Three, Carrasco. Four, Simber. Five, Saval. Six, Clevenger. Seven, Goody. Eight, Hand. Knight. Nine, Hentges. Ten, Karen Chalk. Eleven, Kluber. Twelve, Juan Carlos Mejia. Thirteen, Tyler Olson. Fourteen, Oliver Perez. Fifteen, Zach Plesak. Sixteen, Adam Plutko. 17, Jeffrey Rodriguez. 18, Nick Wetgren from the minor leagues. Guy's not currently on it. Pitching-wise, you have 19, Cam Hill, and 20, Tristan McKenzie. So that's exactly 20 from the pitching staff. 21, Eric Haas. 22, Roberto Perez. 23, Kevin P. 24, Christian Arroyo. 25, Bobby Bradley. 26, Yuchen Chang. 27, Mike Freeman. 28, Francisco Lindor. 29, Jose Ramirez. 30, Carlos Santana, 31, Andrew Velasquez, 32, Greg Allen, 33, Jake Bowers, 34, Jordan Luplo, Oscar Mercado is 35, Tyler Naquin's 36, Brandmo Reyes is 37, Bradley Zimmer is 38, Daniel Johnson is 39, and Jose Fermin is 40. That is the whole projected 40-man for me. We'll have to see when this gets announced how it goes. There's a good chance I won't be correct, because often the Indians don't like to go all the way to 40, so we will see. I'll end with this funny trade. I remember being um, appalled by this one when I saw it in person. It's a, and I get some of the logic with it, but it's a classic like, hey, my team's going to get 150% value from a really good site for the Tigers. But looking back now, it's a bit ridiculous because the idea for this trade was Nick Castellanos and Zach Houston. If you don't know Zach Houston, that's fine. He doesn't. Uh, he walks too many guys. He still hasn't pitched in the majors. For Jason Kipnis, the idea being the Tigers were going to save Indians money. Nolan Jones, Yu Chen Chang, Oscar Mercado, and Will Benson, essentially. Um, so yes, two of those guys had major breakout years. But even at the time, uh, and it's funny how many Tigers fans thought that wasn't enough. But, uh, I mean, this is what fans do. But this one just seemed especially egregious right now, looking back. And it's kind of that issue where I was probably guilty of it when I talked about that possible trade with the Mets, where I was like, oh, well, we're taking Lowry's contract. Often when you take a bad contract, you're not getting much back in that. That's not, um, it doesn't net you as much as one might think. Um, and when you think that your, like, quad A pitcher has value, that's just a classic thing that all t- all fan bases do. So many times I've heard from Indians fans where, you know, they think that Adam, you know, a year ago, for instance, Plutko was more quad A. He still might be quad A, you know, was going to net something, uh... But the funny thing here is to look at that, this rumored deal. And, I mean, I talked about how at the time I thought Nick Castellanos would get Will Benson. Like, that was it. That was that was all the value I thought he'd have. And people got really mad at me. And if you weren't keeping track at home, at the end of the day, when he finally did get traded, and I had a lot of Tigers fans telling me, well, they'll get something big or they won't get anything at all. They ended up getting Alex Lang, who, if you're familiar with the baseball draft, has seen his stock drop in value every year since his sophomore year of college. Uh, he was went into his junior year as a top 10, 15 guy, ended up falling to 30th. 
and just hasn't been good in the minors. Doesn't miss enough bats while walking a high rate. He was always a low ceiling pitcher, so it's a really dangerous mix when you take those low ceiling guys because if anything goes a little bit wrong, if anything backs up, if they don't make the minor improvements you need, uh, they're not going to turn into anything. And I mean, he's in three innings, he's been good in Arizona, but other than that, he's uh, he's had the part of a, a non-prospect more than anything else. I mean, the Tigers love SEC arms, so it's no surprise they got a uh, former LSU starter. And the second guy in that, Paul Richan, it was uh, 2018 draft, which I believe was the same draft as... Uh, uh, Lang in the second round that year they took uh, from San Diego and he is a 22 year old who has yet to get out of high A um, no I'm sorry that was the year after they took um, wait this is not even the right this is a very weird it's just showing me the second round um, but either way I'm pretty sure that's the year they took him Rishan is interesting because a very low walk rate um the home run rate has been pretty good, but he's been very hittable, and his strikeout rate is shown. It's not. It, it's been low eights, which for a 22-year-old in high A is not good. They essentially ended up moving to Castellanos for two fringe prospects at best, neither of which are going to be likely in the Tigers' top 20, uh, definitely not top 15. And that kind of goes to show knowing when your window is and how to maximize things. The Tigers have been pretty terrible as a team about doing this, and I bring this up because we really have to understand with the Cleveland Indians, one, you're never going to get exactly what you think you should get in these trades. Um, yes, the Trevor Bauer deal ended up better than anyone could have hoped, but that's not how it happens most of the time. And two, being smart about your window, making the trades at the right time, making those calls at the right time, and that's why I really, more than any other time, think the Indians should be all in on next year. Because, let's be honest, at the end of next year, they're likely trading uh, Francisco Lindor. That's probably going to be the end of the team kind of as we know it. At the end of next year, Carlos Santana will be a free agent. So he is, uh, I bet he resigns just because he loves Cleveland, and I don't think he has any interest in, in going anywhere. Um, but... Lindor is going to make a lot of money in 2021. He's going to be a free agent in 2022. And the Indians aren't going to be keeping him. So next year, the Indians need to be all in. If there's a year where they are going to lose money, like a decent chunk, uh, it should be next year. If you're going to go out and trade some of those top prospects, um, now is the time. You have to make the move now because I really do think knowing your market, you know, you if you hold on to Lindor until the end of 2021, um, you're going to get a draft pick. That's not going to cover his value. Um, if you trade him, you look at what the trades have recently netted for you know Machado and players of that ilk, and it's been like one good prospect and some meh. Like it's almost like getting a draft pick, and often that prospect they're getting is a you know somewhere in the 60 to 100 range. We're not talking about a top top 25, top 30 prospect. But if you trade him, you know, but in the offseason of that year, you get that opportunity for that. So I know this is a depressing thought, but it is just enjoy next year's. I, I just want to really reiterate next year is a huge year for the Indians. At the end of next year, things are going to change. That's why they have to be smart. They want to manage their window, manage the players, figure out how things are going to go. And they need to see 
what they can do to succeed. Uh, as much as I do like Chang and I think Arroyo's interesting, I don't want them battling time until Jones is ready. I want them to go out and chase Mike Moustakis and see if he'll take a, a one-on-one type deal. They need to go into next year with as few question marks as they can because not only is it a team where you're looking at central pieces of this offense hitting free agency, um, but the Chicago White Sox are building a darn good lineup and they have some young, interesting pitchers and they still have a huge pipeline of talent. The Detroit Tigers are building what could end up being the best rotation in baseball by the time all of these draft picks make it to the majors. Uh, Kansas City Royals are building a deep pool of pitching. They're probably the most behind in that group. And the Twins... I mean, their top prospects haven't even hit yet. They still got Royce Lewis down there, former number one overall pick. Alex Kirilov has hit the ball really well. Trevor Larnock was a steal a few years ago. The Indians, uh, it's going to, the Central is going to get very tough, and the Indian stars are going to be hitting free agency. 2020 needs to be all in. Thank you for listening, and as always, go Tribe.